Hello, Parkview. This is Thomas Hoke, one of your pastors at Parkview, and I'm excited to welcome you to another episode of the Parkview Groups podcast. This episode is for the week of February 20th through 26th, uh, relating to the sermon coming up on Sunday the 26th. Uh, so hopefully you've got the right episode queued up for this week. My goal each week in this podcast is to inform and guide group members and train group leaders of Parkview to make whole disciples. This week we're learning from Acts 20, verses 17 through 38, and this week we're not going to have a training segment. Um, you can probably hear from my voice, I'm a little under the weather, so I'm kind of in here trying to get uh, get something meaningful out to you uh, to prepare for this Sunday sermon and um, not doing too much. So um, let's remember what we're all about. Community groups make whole disciples by cultivating an environment of relational safety where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. All right, let's uh, let me fill you in on a couple of things going on around Parkview. All right, so uh, coming up on March sixth, so that's two weeks from today, um, we will have a congregational meeting at Central Campus. If you need childcare, uh, we are are going to have childcare available for ages zero to ten. Uh, you'll want to RSVP by Tuesday the twenty eighth, Tuesday the twenty eighth of February. So that's a week from tomorrow. Uh, so a congregational meeting, if you're a member, definitely prioritize coming to that. Um, that's Those are always from 6 to probably 8 or a little bit after 8. There's a potluck time at the beginning, and then um, sort of the business meeting begins. We worship and pray together and get some updates about uh, Parkview as a whole, which I think uh, will probably be some significant things at this one. So definitely mark your calendar for that. If you're not a member, you're always welcome as well. So register for child care um, by Tuesday the 28th for that meeting, which is on March 6th, Monday. <clears throat> Secondly, we have a baptism class coming up. We want to baptize people on Easter Sunday. So if you are interested in being baptized or you know someone who would like to be baptized, uh, we have a class that we'll want you to go through to kind of get everything squared away, make sure you know what you're doing and ready to sort of share your story about coming to know Christ. And we're going to do that on Tuesday, March 7th from 6 to 7 p.m. here at Central Campus where I'm recording this. Um, so Tuesday, March 7th, pass that on to other group members or leaders if you know people that would be interested point that out to them. So uh, that's all I got for you this week. So let's move on. All right. Uh, it's time to guide you through this passage. Let's uh, get the big picture of the passage, navigate any speed bumps that could disrupt discussion and give you a couple of places to land in application. And like I said, this week, I'm going to keep it kind of light. And basically, I'm going to read through this passage. I am going to give some comments on it. But um, instead of kind of landing the plane at the end, I basically want to ask you a question to kind of frame how you hear and learn from this passage. Um, I'm preaching this passage on Sunday, so I appreciate your prayers for me to fe be feeling fully well by then. Um, but this is the question I want you to have kind of in your mind. What leaders do we follow? And what leaders are we becoming? What kind of leaders do we follow and what kind of leaders are we becoming? This is a passage about uh, leadership in the church. Um, so let's go from there. Acts 20 verses 17 through 38. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, and I'll pause there because uh, we're talking about Paul again, the apostle Paul, he has come. He's on his way to Jerusalem, but he is uh, stopping at the port of Miletus and summoning the elders of Ephesus to him to come have this uh, last, we'll find out, last kind of goodbye and his sort of charge to them. It's about a four-day journey for these elders from Ephesus to come to Miletus to meet him. Paul was on the sea journey at that point, 
And so he didn't, uh, we find out later, he didn't want to go all the way into Ephesus and have to do all those, you know, sort of hard goodbyes and, you know, probably inevitably be, be there for some extended period of time. You guys know how hard it is to say goodbye in the Midwest. Well, it was hard then too. Um, so instead he summons them to meet him. Um, they meet in some house in, in, in that port city and they have this sort of leadership conference, it seems. Um, now, like all speeches really in the New Testament, this is almost certainly a digest of what Paul said. So it's, it's probably, all these words are faithful to what Paul said, um, but Luke's task here, he would have understood himself to be getting the essence of what Paul said. He would have been recording the actual words. His overall burden was to kind of get the essence of what, what Paul was saying and uh, record it faithfully for us. So um, this, is, this is what Paul said. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll pause there. The first thing that Paul points out is, he says, you yourselves know how I lived and that's really what this first, these first few verses are all about. He says, this is, this is what it means to be a leader. Um, of course, he talks about the things that he said. He talks about, uh, you know, what the content of his teaching was. Um, and often, especially in church context, we think that's kind of what leadership really looks like. Uh, but what Paul first points out is that the manner of his living, his character, and who he was as a leader was evidenced not not just in in the content of his teaching, but in how he says he says how I lived. You know how I lived among you the whole time. He says serving the Lord. That's a word. That's kind of a softened word. It, it was the word slaving, um, slaving for the Lord, being being constrained by the Lord. With he says with all humility. Often we think of that word humility as sort of associated with a star quarterbacks who say they're they're humbled to have won the Super Bowl. That's sort of the exact opposite of what the Bible means. Um, being humbled means you're you're low, you're brought low, you're brought you feel insignificant, you feel incapable, you feel unable. He was serving the Lord with all humility. Um, no task was too low for him, and with tears and with trials. You know, three things he says: <laughs> serving the Lord. What did it mean? Humility, tears, trials. Ministry is not for wusses. <laughs> Humility, tears, and trials. Hum ministry is not for rock stars, Paul says. If you remember the question I asked you at the beginning, what leaders do we follow? What kind of leaders do we follow and what kind of leaders are we becoming? By the way, ministry is is inevitable. Influence is inevitable. That's what Mark Dever says in... in uh, in his book, Discipling, he says, ministry uh, influence is inevitable. The only question is what kind of influence we are bringing. And this is what Paul says. It's humility, tears, and trials. He says, you know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public from house to house, different settings for word ministry for Paul from house to house. For us, that would be sort of in community group settings, in public, that would be preaching and in public evangelism and that kind of thing. So testifying both to Jews and to Greeks. It's not just one one audience or another. And the content of his message, repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that is, he first tells us about uh, 
what his ministry looked like. It says, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Now, I don't know how many times I've, I've heard someone say to me, you know, we think we might want to go there, but we just don't have peace about it. They're trying to make a decision. They're trying to choose between a few options, you know, or, or whether to do something or not. And they'll say that phrase. We're not sure we have peace about it. Here's Paul, who is constrained by the Spirit, and he's going to, he's going to go to Jerusalem. And the word that he has from the Spirit, the, the assurance that he has is, hey, wherever you go, you're going to be thrown in jail and you're going to be persecuted. Paul didn't have peace about anything. And so sometimes I, I want to say to those who are, you know, saying, well, we don't have peace about it. Um, maybe that's okay. Um, it's okay to move forward knowing that, that a decision is going to cause you some hardship and being willing to prioritize faithfulness to God above comfort. Um, anyway, so he says, but I do not count my life as of any value or as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And so, so Paul says, you guys are never going to see me again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Now, a few things there. What makes Paul a good leader? What makes him a good teacher, a trustworthy teacher? Is that he declares to them, he does not shrink from declaring to them, the whole counsel of God. And that is how he can say, I'm innocent of the blood of all. Now, there's so much going on there, especially regarding sort of human responsibility. What was Paul's responsibility to the Ephesians to present them mature in Christ? Um, apparently, it was so serious that he could say, I'm innocent of your blood. Um, there's plenty we could say about that. This is, a, by the way, just a passage that's so frustrating to think. I've got 35 minutes to preach this. But anyway, it, it deserves so much more study. But Hope you do that this week. Um, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. We need the whole Bible to become whole disciples of Jesus. Every heretic has their favorite Bible verse to refer to. And basically everyone throughout history can, can find some part of the Bible that they think kind of appeals to their different diversion of what true Christianity is. Um, and that's that's been true forever. Even today, you look at their, you know, different false teachers who are around the church. And by the way, false teaching has never been more accessible than it is today. There's something wonderful about the the internet. And here I am using a podcast as a medium to, you know, help our church grow in Christ. Um, but you have access to, to so many people that have different ideas about who Christ is. So many of them, they're, you're never going to be able to see their life, right? What Paul says, you know, how I lived. You're never going to be able to see that. But you can listen to their podcasts, listen to their sermons, whatever. But the way that you can test good teaching, Paul says here, is that they stick to the whole counsel of God. Um, and so there's uh, there's so much to be said. Okay, pay, pay careful attention. Then he turns to the elders, listen, and sort of gives them their admonition in charge. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now that's, a job description. Um, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Notice there, that's that's the shepherd sort of with this sheep metaphor. 
says, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Remember before, these, this group was called the elders. And so here's another word that's used uh, and clearly means the same office. You know, there's the elders and they're also called overseers. We see that in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 2. Um, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Wow. <clears throat> How should you treat something that someone obtained with their own blood? <laughs> that is... That is no weak thing. Um, what kind of leader should we become? What kind of leaders should we look to? Ones that practice that kind of care. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Now, this is proven absolutely true. We know um, Second and Third John, perhaps in particular, are referring to uh, circumstances that arose after Paul left Ephesus, um, and that indeed there were there were there were false teachers who rose up and and, and took as many of the the disciples in Ephesus away from Christ. Um, we see in Revelation three and four where the the Spirit addresses the churches, the Spirit of Jesus, and Ephesus has really you know kind of gone in a bad way, and Paul foresees that and warns them. Um, there's danger from outside of of that flock and danger from even within that very room where Paul was. Um, and so often today we think of, I think of false teachers. I often want to think of those who are drawing people aside into, uh, whether it's sort of into political conspiracies, whether it's on the right or the left, I think of, um, so-called prosperity gospel teachers, which preach a false gospel of health and wealth in response to, uh, material blessing that is provided to the Lord, which is, which is false. And so many more, I know, I, and like I said, never more available than they are right now, never more popular maybe, uh, than they are right now. And, um, these are fierce wolves and, and we'll go on to see what marks them as well. He says, therefore be alert, remembering that for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And I, I can't help but see sort of some of our values for, for our church and for our community group ministry in particular there. He, there's admonishment, which is that word means warning or instruction. He says he night and day, he admonished everyone with tears, meaning Paul was not sort of happy to sort of sit on a high horse and say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Warning, instruction, warning. He did it with tears. Um, and so there was obvious spiritual initiative, right? He was admonishing, warning, instructing, but with tears, as in he cared so deeply about them. He had such, if you were to say, relational safety coming in there. He was so concerned for their growth that he was willing to say hard things with tears, meaning he cared that deeply about them. Um, he says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Wow. Uh, to, to commend them to God is to say to entrust them. I trust you to God and to the word of his grace, who is able to build you up. Um, the church is built up by God. Finally, he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel that would mark Paul off from many of the false teachers, both in, in that time and today, who often um, become rich off of um, their false teaching. But he says, you yourselves know that these hands, and apparently he was demonstrating to them, these hands, look at them, they ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Apparently, God blesses giving greater than he does receiving. Um, and that's one of those interesting sayings of the Lord Jesus that we don't have from the gospels themselves, but just from Paul's secondhand, thirdhand account 
via Luke here. Apparently Jesus, apparently this was something that he said, it's more blessed. And by more blessed, we're not saying that in the sort of generic, well, it's, it's such a blessed day or something like that. But in this very specific, God's blessing lies upon givers uh, in a special way more than on recipients, which is interesting. Um, <clears throat> and when he had said all these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So I, I just commend this to you. Um, I'm not feeling my best, so I'm sorry that this is going to be a little bit brief. And like I said, I'm going to skip the training segment today. Uh, but I hope you meditate on this. You think about this. What kind of leaders do we look to? Um, these are the kind of leaders we need in, in the church. This is the kind of leader I aspire to be for you as one of your elders and pastors. And also what kind of elders or sorry, what kind of leaders are we becoming? Um, this is what we, each of us who inevitably exert spiritual influence on those around us, this is what we must aim for. So I'll leave you with that and uh, I'll see you next week. Hopefully, uh, not sounding gross like I do right now. So, uh, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.